Rogers scrambles He's left, winds up, runs the ball. He's got time at the 10 to the 5. Yes. To the end zone. Touchdown. And a dagger. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Gone for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Fans, welcome to the Brewers Trilogy Podcast presented by the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy, the podcast for not only them diehard baseball fans, but also for those fans who enjoy cheering for a team that revolves around beer. My name is Tyler, aka T Plush, your host for the show. I'm a contributor for reviewing the brew for Fansided and one of the founders of the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy Podcast. As always, I am joined with my good buddy Trevor, aka Sunshine Bender. He can be found on Twitter at Bender underscore Trevor, and he is a host of the Packers Trilogy podcast. So make sure you're checking that out as the Packers have a trip to the Super Bowl on the line. So there's lots of good content coming out from the football side of things. But we are here to talk some Brewers baseball today. The Brewers made some moves while I was gone in the UP and it was a lot to come back to because I basically had no service so we'll touch on the signings of Jed Jerko today, Logan Morrison, talk about the platoons the Brewers are going to use throughout the season, Uh, talk a little bit about Council's extension and then just kind of briefly touch on some arbitration numbers that were exchanged over the weekend. But before we get to all that, Trevor, how are you doing today? Well, I mean you brought up football so I'm still Riding pretty high on that big win against Seattle, uh, which is last night as we're talking right now. But as you guys are listening, obviously that was Sunday night. Uh, I am just still ecstatic. I love Victory Mondays, especially playoff Victory Mondays for the Packers. Outside of that, I'm watching a pretty good national championship right now. So I can't complain other than knowing football is over too soon. Yeah, that always seems to happen with football. It puts you in the biggest sports hole, at least during the summer. I mean, I love watching football. It it's it only comes around once a week and it's hard it's hard when it's gone. But that's what we got baseball for. Yeah, you might think otherwise, but you're here talking. You, you so. know I love the Brewers. You know I love the Brewers, but it doesn't beat football. Sorry. That's fair. There's a certain excitement factor with football, especially with the rich tradition that the Packers have. But All right, so let's move into the Brewers news today. Let's start off with the signing of Jed Jerko. So the Brewers signed him to a one-year major league deal for $2 million in 2020, and there's a club option for 21. And many of you will probably remember him from his time with the Cardinals spent – Four seasons there, 245 career hitter, and has put together a few good seasons. He did have a 30 home run season in 2016. In 2017, he had 20 home runs. His batting average had be- had gotten better throughout his career. He started off as a Padre and damn near won Rookie of the Year in 2013 when he hit 23 homers and 63 RBIs. 
2019, he was banged up. He was injured. Started off with the Cardinals. Ended up going to the Dodgers. Did not get many chances to get in a rhythm or get himself established in 2019. Was basically a wash for him. So, Trevor, anything else you want to add on Judd Jerko? Or what are your thoughts on the signing here? You know, when I saw the signing, I thought it would be a good depth piece. And, I mean, that really seems to be what... David Stearns is doing this offseason I mean the numbers were a little bit frustrating when you go back and look at it I mean his total batting average for 2019 is pretty terrible at 174 he was really terrible in Los Angeles granted he only had 39 games excuse me 39 plate appearances in 24 games um, but he only batted 139 there so that was a little nerve-wracking but if you look back like like you said Tyler I mean he's a career 245 hitter and if you look at the three previous seasons so 2016 2017 2018 he goes 243 272 262 respectively there so for a depth piece for a guy that's platooning I feel like that is pretty good and then you look at the home runs 2016 he had 30 2017 he had 20 2018 he only had 11 but overall I think those numbers are somewhat encouraging especially in Miller Park uh the only other thing his war wins above replacement is his career war is 10.4 2019 obviously he was bad he was a negative 0.5 so hopefully that's with along with his batting average you know his power numbers his on-base percentage things like that hopefully those all start trending towards his career numbers and I think this could be a fairly good signing yeah I'm glad you brought up the depth or platooning aspect of Jed Jerko because it seems like that's what the Brewers are going to do going into the season at a lot of different positions too. So, I mean, we'll start at third base as long as we're there. You're going to have Judd Jerko is going to get time there. Ryan Healy could get time there. Eric Sogard could get time there. And it's it's just kind of one of those things where Council has batters who from the right and hit from the left side so he can play matchups. He can just kind of see how the beginning of the season plays out, who's going to you know, catch fire, who's going to have, who's going to kind of be that dark horse or that surprise who overperforms and hopefully you can ride them, you know, similar to what we did with Jesus Aguilar a couple years ago. I think that's what they're going to be looking for. But I think the signing for Jerko, anyway, the, the surprising part for me was that this is now the second player the Brewers have signed, granted for, you know, not very much money. The other one being Justin Smoke in terms of they had terrible 2019s. I mean, Smoke was injured. Jerko just could never get established. So you're having two of your infield positions, guys who could see a lot of time there and still could be good, but you're banking on bounce-back performances from them, which is kind of interesting. That doesn't really surprise me, though. Like, if you think about it, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Because you look back at some of his recent signings in David Stearns, Eric Thames signing, granted he was good in Korea, but like taking shots and taking chances on players, I just think is something he does. And he has been really good at it. And he's also been pretty good at realizing when to move on from players. So I do think I have to trust him because he's done a very good job of it. And there's not a ton of 
stuff out there that tells me that I should be worried and he and his scouting staff must see something if that if they're signing both of those players they must see something in them. yeah and that's just part of being being in a small market you got to take those chances because Josh Donaldson signing pretty improbable at this point <laughs> and really any big splashes are are not going to happen so th- that's just kind of what you're forced to do plus I think the whole Miller Park thing plays effect into that Stearns is thinking you know we get those lower tier guys we get more of them we figure out who is going to be hot in certain stretches or maybe if you're lucky during most of the season and you just ride the hot hand I think that's what he's going for get as many players to counsel as you can let counsel be a mad scientist figure out what works best um, you know, do the platoons, things like that, and just hope that being at Miller Park is going to help those players out enough and give them enough in terms of just being better hitters because you're at a hitter-friendly park. Yeah, and after the signing of Jed Jerko, David Stearns quoted basically what you just said. You just paraphrased it a little bit. So that, that kind of alluded to the fact that Stearns is kind of admitting that they're done adding pieces, at least to the infield. We haven't got to Logan Morrison yet, but he's he was a minor league deal. So would you be okay with this current shape-up of the infield going in, knowing that they're just going to kind of ride this hot hand and everything you alluded to, or are you more frustrated because it seems like in the Yelich contention window when you have Christian Yelich on the biggest bargain of a contract ever that they, they should have made a splash to show that they're serious about winning and – you know, in return, that would obviously uh, help Christian Yelich stay here when it does come to to him getting a contract extension. Yeah, I mean, you you talked about it being a small market team. It's hard to get those big splash signings, especially in today's MLB. You got to fork out, you know, ten years and plus for a really splash star signing. So that that's tough in Milwaukee, and especially with the payroll they already had and I know they shredded a lot but it's still a lot to bring in one player for that amount of money for that amount of time that's a huge ask and then in if you take someone on for eight years in four or five years you're going to be complaining because his contract's too big because he's going to start declining he's not going to be as good so it's a really tough situation to be in for David Stearns but he obviously thinks that this is the better way to go and like I said I have to trust him he's done an absolutely incredible job in Milwaukee he did great down in Houston as well kind of masterminding that rebuild as well so I just I just think, yeah, it's frustrating. It frustrated me. I mean, you guys heard me talk about it multiple times, you know, saying I want Garrett Cole, I want uh, Josh Donaldson, like I want all of those guys. But in, in the end, I 100% trust in Stearns, and I think as Brewer fans you all need to because he has not doubt, let us down yet. Yeah, and I agree. And what kind of reassured me today was the Zips War projection system came out today. So that's just kind of a way of analyzing what a player's war is going to be in 2020 based on trends, regression, progression, etc. If you take a look at it, Yelich is obviously the highest, a 5.5 projected war. Kane in center field is 2.8. Garcia Braun platoon is 2.0. At third base, they have Sogard and Jerko at 1.8 war. Urias and Arcia at 2.5. 
Hiera at 2.9, Smoke at 1.9, Narvaez Pina at 2.0, and then the bullpen has a projected war of 6.3, just kind of lumped all together, and then the best Brewer starter, Brandon Woodruff, has a projected war of 3.4. We won't get into the other starters, but when you put that all together, Kyle Lesneski somehow did some weird math thing and says that computes out to predicting that the Brewers will win 85 to 86 games, which may, is, may guess a little bit less than last year, but you have to figure they're going to, they're going to add pieces at the trade deadline like they normally do. So seeing those projections today really kind of reassured me that, Hey, we're still on track and all of this shredding a salary and getting the not so sexy names doesn't mean we're not trying to compete because that's obviously would be stupid and David Stearns would be out of job if that was the case so I'm glad those projections came out today yeah that that actually makes me feel a lot better and like doubles down on what I just said about trusting in Stearns because if you're I'd like to look back um, maybe on the next podcast we can kind of look back at what our position war was this past year and kind of compared to those projections now granted they are projections that's not a guarantee that that is what what's going to happen but the fact that the worst platoon was like a 1.8 that is that's really good for war and if you have that all the way through your defense granted the rest of the starters aren't going to be that good I don't think in terms of war but that that really is an impressive impressive kind of lineup even though there is a lot of platooning and there's not any stars that we didn't already have but I I I like it it's making me a little bit more excited and like I said it's doubled down on the whole trust in Stearns thing for me (laughs) yes I agree that kind of leads me into the next question we've mentioned the platoons already but there's a lot of them. We mentioned third base. The platoons there could be Sogard, Jerko, Ryan Healy, shortstops, Arcia, Urias, first base, Braun and Smoke, and then catcher Narvaez and Pina, which I don't think is going to be as much of a platoon as people think. I think Narvaez is going to get a lot more of the chances, but I mean, that's four platoons there. I mean, so you could look at that in in one regard saying, oh, you know, that's terrible because they don't have anyone established at those positions. But you could also look at that in the fact that as soon as one of those guys, you know, either slumps or is either or catches fire, all of a sudden they're the guy like they're just going to ride them. And, you know, until what until we say not to anymore. So. The potential is there, like we've been saying all off season. So I kind of view the platoons as a good thing. It gives you more versatility, which council obviously likes. And it, you know, it's not just like saying, "All right, we know you're supposed to be really good, like Travis Shaw last year. Now we're just gonna ride you, you know, for the first three months into your career worst slump." I mean, think about how many games that cost the Brewers last year. So that shouldn't be an issue next year. I think you bring up a good point. And when you were talking about Council being able to ride the hot hand and do those different things, I think he needs to be very strict, for lack of a better term, with his platoons. You know, if if someone gets a hot hand, you ride them, yes. But if they start to tail off and they're not giving you a boost, then go back to a normal platoon. And then if they get into a slump that same player who was hot early you need to get off of him and allow the other player to take a little bit more um, hoping that they're not in a slump at the same time but 
you're right. I think the platoons, in certain situations, obviously you can't rely on platoons throughout your entire defensive rotation. Um, you're going to need some players that can play every day. But I think for the most part, if you have a few positions that are uh, true platoons, I don't think it's necessarily the worst thing in the world as long as those players can do average work defensively. I think that's a big thing to look at as well. And then the only other thing that I thought of when you were talking, do you think that Manny Pena is going to have a one every five, he's going to catch a certain pitcher type of situation, or do you think he's going to get a little bit more than that? Uh, That's tough. I think maybe in the beginning of the season, especially as Narvaez is still kind of working with the pitchers and getting to know him a little bit more, I think Pena will catch a lot more at first, but in the end, I think Narvaez's offensive potential is just too much for Pena to overcome, and he's ended up getting most of most of the timeshare as the season goes on. So, you know, I'm going to take the cop-out answer and say, no, he's not going to be catching one out, of every, one out of every five to start the year, but by the end of the season, it might be more than that, maybe once a week, you know, be that Sunday catcher. Yeah, and I think as... Brewer fans, that's what you got to hope for. Because if that's what happens, that means Nervias is being the guy we need him to be, that we can rely on him most days, and obviously just giving him a rest as he's a catcher. Yeah, and Pena can always come in late in the game, too, for that defensive security anyway. Just kind of be interesting to see how Nervias does behind the plate. So I'm not quite sure about him at least Pena anyway, catching for one specific pitcher. I don't, the Brewers haven't done that in years, so I, I guess I wouldn't count on it at this point. It is nice to have Manny Pena back there, like you said, in close games to have that defensive security from him because he is great behind the plate. Yep, he's the gunslinger. He's the Brett Favre of the Brewers. That, that was a pretty bad analogy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> Because you just made a hall, you just classified Manny Pena with a Hall of Famer. So <laughs> I don't know, Tyler. <laughs> well, TBD on that, I guess. <laughs> All right, let's touch briefly on Logan Morrison. The Brewers signed him to a minor league deal, bounced around the league. Originally started as a Marlin back when they were still Florida and not Miami. Spent some time with Seattle, Minnesota, and then most recently Philadelphia last year. He did have a 38 home run season in 2017. Otherwise, he's usually in that mid-teen area for home runs. Batting average-wise, he's most likely going to hit below 250, but above 220, somewhere in that range. Decent batter's eye at the plate. And, I mean, it's really just kind of, a low-risk, high-reward signing, I think, here with the invite to big league camp. But what are your thoughts on it? You said minor league deal. I've seen that he has, like you said, an invite to camp, but he's not on the roster. Can you just explain that contract situation a little more? So, yeah, basically how that works is he'll be with the Brewers throughout pretty much most of spring training. And then if he is not added to the 40-man roster by the time the big league season starts – he could essentially be signed by any other team. And if nobody signs him, then we could stash him on the AAA roster. But it all 
will just depend if anyone would pick him up or not, or if we add him to the 40-man roster before then. Okay. Yeah, so then, like you said, I think it's a low-to-no-risk signing, and maybe he figures it out. Maybe Miller Park is a good thing for him. Obviously, at training camp or spring training, he's not going to be able to play at Miller Park, but I do think that will be, at the very least, a potential good signing if it works out that's awesome that's great if it doesn't you know basically no harm no foul at that point so I like the signing I mean it's something on the margins if it works it works if it doesn't it doesn't and an interesting thing about Logan Morrison I don't know if you saw this Tyler but he actually has come out I believe today as we're talking on the 13th and said that the Astros science stealing scandal dates back much further than has been claimed and has what the reports have indicated. Interesting. Yeah, that whole, what all went down today was quite interesting with the initial suspensions of Hinch and the GM and the Astros, and then they just got canned right after that. <laughs> Don't steal signs. Don't cheat. You will get punished. <laughs> I guess that's the moral of the story. Um, kind of interesting. I did not see Logan Morrison specifically say that. He said, I was playing with Seattle in 2014, and every time we went into Houston, you would hear this banging. No one put two and two together. Seattle fans may remember we came with a game of going to the playoffs. Felix should have won a Cy Young that year, but couldn't get past the fifth in Houston. Huh. And he meant Alex Correa. He misspelled it. <laughs> went back and saw he posted so he posted that on instagram um and that was one of his comments so before alex correa got there he said that has been happening and he specifically said the time in 2014 Hmm. well that would have been before instant replay and electronic stuff but they had a different way of doing it i guess uh anyway other news that we that we haven't touched on yet is craig council got extended until 2023 so kind of a no-brainer, but you have any thoughts on the extension? I mean, I love it. I think David Stearns has done a great job, and I think Craig Council has done a pretty great job as well. There's some things I don't love about the his managing style and what he does, but I think for the most part he is very good at what he does. He is going to stick to what he does, and whether you like it or not as a fan, you have to respect it because – more times than not, it, it's going to work for Craig Council. So I, I love having him as a Brewer uh, manager for longer. And obviously, he's a Wisconsin kid, so it's just a great story. It absolutely is. And if he does end up going all the way through 2023, he would end up being the Brewer's longest tenured manager. He would have a shot at the most wins for a manager. So could set some records by the time this extension is up and yeah it'd be pretty cool to just see him keep going all the way through the decade that does not happen very often i was gonna say let's see him sign another extension here in a few <laughs> years because that means the brewers are continuing to play yeah, right well. after our world series win we can extend them again oh so after 2020 yeah that's what i said <laughs> 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 All right. <laughs> One off season later, we're going to extend them again. All right. And last bit of news here is 
I think it's just interesting to see the arbitration numbers that were exchanged. So the two big ones that got talked a lot about were Brett Suter and Josh Hader. So Suter submitted, he wanted a salary of 1.25 mil for 2020, and the Brewers offered 825. So that will go to a hearing that'll get decided about roughly a month from now, mid-February, and the court will side with one or the other. And then Josh Hader submitted 6.4, which is quite funny because if he got 6.4, that would be a new record for first-year arbitration numbers for a reliever. It was previously set by, oh gosh, who did I see it was by? Drawing a blank on the name. It wasn't Craig Kimbrell, but it was somebody before him. Jonathan Papelbon from the Phillies back in like 2009. And then the Brewers offered Hader 4.1, so that will go to a hearing as well. I have another question for you. So it's the court is siding with one side or the other? There's no middle ground? Usually not, no. Okay. Well, I think no matter what, on either one of those, if the Brewers don't get their way, I am completely okay with it. (laughs) (laughs) Those two are going to be important to have back. Hader definitely... Deserves 6.4, but I hope it's only 4.1. <laughs> and it's only 2 mil. Yeah, I mean, I mean for the salary cap, or I guess there's not a salary cap in baseball, but I just think for the money, obviously you always want your team to sign for the lower amount of money, but those two players, you can't be splitting hairs. you just you got to be happy with just having them on your team. Yep, and money makes players happy so i mean if josh Hader gets snubbed at two mil this year and it pisses him off and he holds that grudge until we don't have him under club control yeah that wouldn't be so great so let's see him set the record 6.4 we'll take it i've changed my mind now (laughs) (laughs) all right any other brewer news you have trevor or should we wrap it up for today i do not have anything else all right We will call her a day then. Make sure you guys are following the podcast on Twitter at Trilogy underscore pod. Checking out all of our other podcasts. Make sure you hit subscribe, giving them a review. Let us know how we're doing. Give us some ideas. We like to get some more guests on the show. If you have someone in mind you'd like to listen to besides us, let us know. But until next time and some more Brewer news happens, we'll see you later, Brewer fans. Trust in Stearns.